Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Product-Led Podcast. Today, we have a super exciting topic, which is how to build a product-led growth engine to scale to 30,000 users in less than eight months. And so today, I have Torben, who is the COO of Rose.com. If you ever checked out what they do, it's some really cool stuff around spreadsheets where he's going to dig more into the story and what it does. But uh, Torben, welcome to the Product-Led Podcast. Thanks for having me, Wes. Great to be here. Awesome. So could you share a little bit more of like what made you initially think about even starting this company? Because as we were chatting earlier, you mentioned, you know what, Rosa has been around for about five years now and you've done a lot of testing and then you officially launched it in November. So it's been a long time coming, but what was the initial kind of like, aha, we are like, you know what, we need this solution. Yeah, so when I, well... I'm not an engineer by training and I'm a business person. I'm a former management consultant and then a founder. And uh, so I'm a pretty solid spreadsheet user, but I can't really code anything that would serve as a web app for, for people or that helps me in my job. And uh, so we thought that building a spreadsheet, an interface that a billion people already use that is just modern and looks great and you can turn it into a web app and share more beautifully with others, and then also used to automate data and so on, is something that would really help me to get kind of more efficient, more productive in my job. I think technically speaking, there must be many, many people like me with kind of the same sorts of problems. And obviously, we saw that by mission or by purpose, we are completely aligned with the no-code movement at large, right? Giving more power to the normal guide, to the business user. And we think that the metaphor of a spreadsheet is great. It's hopefully the biggest opportunity of all because it's just such a massive platform and maybe the earliest of all all no-code tools, right? It's just that spreadsheets have been built, uh, well, four years ago with Excel. And then the last real innovation was 15 years ago with uh, Google Sheets. So we thought like, okay, that is ripe for an upgrade. Totally, yeah. And when you think about like, databases and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, spreadsheet is all that. <laughs> if you uh, really utilize that. And I think there's a lot of really cool innovations that are happening in that space too, which is great. Uh, you're pointing that out and leading that charge. So when it comes to starting the company, that was the, the initial th- story. Now for the five years, like what happened during that time before you decided, you know, like let's officially launch this, let's go all in on this because that's a long time brewing and most startups at that early stage, they just kind of fizzle out and they don't go all in. So what was like the initial like, hey, like we've been doing this for this time, let's go all in on this? Well, I think we kind of went all in from the very beginning. It's just that building a horizontal product, a horizontal productivity tool, and then especially a spreadsheet where you need kind of a really powerful backend that resolves kind of billions of computations. And you also need to kind of uh, meet all the expectations regarding the front and keyboard with shortcuts and so on. It just takes a long time to get to a product that is really ripe for the market. And we started by building kind of a basic spreadsheet that is actually server-based and that had some integrations and web requests. And then we gave it to people we knew, kind of friends and colleagues and so on, and saw what they did while we kind of built out all the additional functionality that we wanted to, well, wanted to have, right? And so 
step by step, we got closer to market ready product and we kind of we were kind of under closed or under alpha and closed beta for a long time. And we kind of expanded the, the users that we gave it to and looked at what they were doing while kind of continuing to build out functionality. Right? And that is kind of how we lived through the first three to four years. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for, for walking through that. I think a lot of times we hear, even with the title we picked for today, it's like how to get to 30K users in eight months. It's like, yes, that's true from the, the overall acquisition perspective, but they actually create the product, build it for that flexibility and platform side of things. That does take time to get right. Now, you talked about it is a horizontal productivity tool. Now, I know what you mean here, uh, but could you just quickly go through what you mean by like the difference between, uh, I guess, like a horizontal versus a vertical kind of application? Yeah, for sure. So, well, it's a productivity tool. So it's kind of one of the generic office tools that we use as office workers, right? It's a spreadsheet. And then the horizontal just means there are a ton of different use cases. You can use a spreadsheet for almost anything, right? You can also, while you're building such a product at any point, I think say, okay, well, I want to verticalize it more and build it more for a specific use case, right? And let's say, for example, the first things that our users did was getting data in for lead generation to enrich kind of companies with their number of employees to enrich email addresses, to people inside those companies and so on. And you're always tempted to go down the vertical route because you want to please more kind of the people who are having this problem. But then at the end, you become kind of a data provider or let's say a Zoom info of sorts, right? And those people don't really want a spreadsheet with kind of a VLOOKUP or, you know, those classic Excel functions. They just want a UI and point and click. And then you kind of become a vertical tool, right? And we wanted to build a spreadsheet from the beginning that is really kind of, in theory, solving kind of all sorts of things and that you can use for modeling and for your calculations and as maybe a small database and so on. And then also for more. And that is, by definition, a horizontal product. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for going through that. I totally got what you meant, but I was just like, okay, I think for other people listening to sometimes it's good to know the difference between horizontal and vertical applications because how you build them is very, very different. Like a vertical application, when you think about from the early stages of a startup, it's like you're trying to find, well, you already kind of know like, okay, we're focusing on like, let's say product managers. What do they really want? Let's dig deeper into that specific use case. And it's sometimes a lot easier to find those use cases in a vertical application on the early days. Now let's talk about that because it is hard when you're building a horizontal productivity tool to be like, okay, like this is going to solve thousands and millions of different use cases. Uh, it's built for flexibility from day one. So how did you really prioritize, you know what, like this is the main kind of use case or uh, we want to focus in on? Well, I mean, we get data from a lot of different sources, right? We get quantitative data from our product metrics. We get qualitative data because we kind of speak to our users all the time and we observe them, how they use our product. And this is how you get kind of a ton of information about, well, who really likes it and what people use it for, what those people need in addition and so on. And then you kind of go step by step into a certain direction. And sometimes you don't 
really end up somewhere. So, for example, the example that I mentioned just uh, two minutes ago, uh, where people were using it for lead generation, that was a great first use case. But we intend to build Rose as a team's product. So we want to be a spreadsheet for a team or for an entire company. And those lead gen use cases were rather kind of single player. It was kind of the one person to find companies or maybe enrich a list or so, but then they pushed the data elsewhere or they copy-pasted it and that was it, right? It's not something that was kind of shared and that was a team would use on a daily basis. So we then took the decision to deprioritize this use case and to go more for other needs that other user personas had. Like, for example, uh, reporting is something that a lot of people use it for. Like, for example, marketing people who want to get data in from kind of their core tools like social media channels, or they want to track followers or maybe engagement of their posts, or they want to get kind of the success cost and click data and so on, conversion data from their ad campaigns. And then they want to create great charts and share it with others, right? And that is a that is a use case, for example, that is something that is much dearer to us. So we are moving more and more into this direction and prioritizing these needs at the moment. While you see this kind of tension while I'm speaking between the horizontal product and kind of vertical use cases yeah. that you're drawn into. So this is something that we constantly kind of need to manage. Right? Yeah, it's so interesting too for horizontal uh, applications because you really do like, it's like, maybe we do start vertical. <laughs> <laughs> the, you have, I don't know if you've read the book Crossing the Chasm. There's the my favorite example of this is like the War of Normandy, and it's like the Allies are trying to attack the Germans and like really go across like the entire beach, and they're like, okay, do we attack like all the beaches at once, or do we attack like one of the beaches? And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, if we actually focus on one beach, you could start there and actually have success versus like trying to do everything all at once. Even from like a marketing copy, it's like, how do you do that? It's like, this has to be pretty bland to like attract to everyone. And that's a weaker value prop until you kind of get that mass adoption. So yeah, it's always these trade-offs of, do you focus on this one or do you kind of basically broaden the net? And I do believe that, you know, in the early days, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this too, but sometimes it is actually okay to draw that broader net and be like, you know what, let's see, where are we seeing some of that success? Where are those sticky use cases where, you know what, who would have known? Like I, you're reporting, of course, it makes sense in hindsight that it's a bit more viral. Like you want to share that report with someone versus like someone who uses for Legion, it's kind of like that single player motion. So curious to hear your thoughts on like how you're thinking about identifying and selecting some of those use cases because it's a very interesting problem you're trying to address. Yeah, well, I think with respect to the Normandy beaches, yes, I, uh, <laughs> you're right, right? So sometimes I think it works better to kind of verticalize or to kind of find or to establish one beachhead and then from there on you can spread, right? And this is also always the idea but you have to find a beachhead in Normandy if you want to, well, invade France from Normandy. And you shouldn't uh, find a beachhead in Belgium or so. I don't know if this is an appropriate analogy. But, <laughs> yeah. but my point is, in the lead gen use case, for example, that we thought might be a beachhead, we then found out, well, 
it's actually not really fitting with kind of the core thesis of our product, which is a spreadsheet. Because, well, the more we talk to these users, the more we understand that they actually are more interested in data and they would also rather buy the data if it was available already. And they're not really spreadsheet users at heart, right? And when we think about marketing reporting, for example, marketing reports are already in spreadsheets, right? They are just uh, made as beautiful. Maybe you latch on iTunes in order to share it. But then when you do that, then you lose flexibility and it becomes a bit harder to share. Or maybe you need to automate some data, but then you need other tools like plugins or so to install into your spreadsheet. You can't do it kind of natively. And so these types of problems, but the point is, the report is today already in a spreadsheet, right? At least in many, many companies and in many, many marketing teams. So it's something that is a much more appropriate beachhead for a spreadsheet product like Rose. So that's why that's why we're going for that. Totally. And I like that too, because I think one of these things that's even in that analogy of the beaches too, that's really missed is the probing. <laughs> it's like, you know what? You might have to like send a boat to the beach in Belgium to realize that that's a really stupid place to do it. Maybe the defenses are way higher, way harder to over-tackle. Same thing with your competition. Maybe that's like entrenched already and it's really, really hard to break through and your odds of success is like very slim to none versus, you know, you might find, oh, there's this other beach over here that's like, it's not really guarded that well. It's, you know, easy for us. It's got good landing for all this other reasons and great product adaption potential. And I think that probing part is really hard. Well, it's definitely hard, but it, it takes a lot of patience too of like, okay, we're ready to grow. We want to grow our business. Uh, we're ready to double down, but where do we kind of double down? So I'm curious to hear, how do you think about like, I guess, probing some of these use cases? Because it sounds like you've thought about it quite a bit. Well, I think it's just, well, speaking to users a lot, also to different kinds of users. Well, looking at what they're trying to solve, look at what they're struggling with, look at what they want. And then I think you are forced into some sort of decision-making, right? Because you need to find kind of you, you need to decide, okay, what type of beachhead do I do I want to go for first? And this is how that you then kind of design your roadmap and also how you uh, tweak the nuances of your marketing messages and your positioning. And then you validate kind of hypotheses around um, around what you're thinking, like what does success look like? Like, where do we want to get to over this quarter or the next two quarters? And what do we do? Kind of what are kind of what is the next best beachhead? And what are the next hypotheses that we want to test in the following quarter, right? If, if that doesn't work. And I think, yeah, it's a lot of data analysis and interviews with potential users and existing users, right? And then, well, we actually have a growth team that is uh, six people, one product manager, one data engineer, one designer, and three engineers. And uh, they are actually really helpful in finding that out and also in uh, working on onboarding and virality improvements in general. Awesome. And so take me through how you kind of selected reporting as one of those main use cases and how as one of the leaders at the business, you basically encourage 
in ways where it's like, okay, we're going to actually deprioritize this other use case for Legion and really prioritize this one. And like, how did that all kind of work when you're at that kind of selection stage? Well, there was one big prerequisite from a product side, or actually two. One was the collaboration and sharing, and the other was uh, charts, so data visualization. And this is, I think, why, well, very naturally or obviously, people early on didn't use rows for reporting. They used us for these data enrichment jobs because we had those types of integrations. And then once we released charts, reporting was something that, well, it's a very natural and large spreadsheet use case. So this is something that we wanted to test. So we specifically gave, uh, well, or looked at and interviewed users who were actually using charts, right? Or we gave the product to users who we knew were interested in using us for reporting or interested in using charts. And then we spent more time with them and looked at how happy they were, what else they needed, and so on. And then we prioritized that. And we saw that the virality around reporting, for example, and that the retention also around reporting was actually higher for uh, lead generation, for example. And we then also took some decisions that were quite tough because we, uh, for example, shut off or killed some integrations that were kind of built-in lead gen uh, integrations, which was obviously disappointing also to us in a way and also to some of our users. But yeah, I think it was just in the way we imagined our pricing, our user experience to develop and so on. It was kind of the right call. Interesting. Okay, so some hard no's for sure. And that was part of the selection stage there. Now, walk me through what your team then did to kind of reinforce and double down on reporting as one of the core use cases. Like you talked about, you know, as some of the things in the product needed to be created to better enable that, but walk me through everything else. Like there's the, obviously the product side of things, and then there's also the team side of things where they focus all that other stuff that really goes into building that cohesive strategy to double down on reporting. Mm -hmm. So I think, on the product side, well, we obviously prioritize things that users that were interested in, in reports wanted, like, for example, well, a couple of fixes on charts, like embedding, for example, which is something that we will, we're actually about to launch. So you'll be able to embed a chart or a table into your website or into your Notion document or, or, or so. And so those are kind of product prioritizations where we know these types of users make uh, these types of feature requests. We obviously also think naturally about how our platform should develop for reporting. And then I think it's also around onboarding, for example, or around how we measure data. For example, we needed to track actually charts usage or chart creation as an event right, in our product metrics. Or we specifically tinkered around the onboarding experience for reporting. And this is still something I think we haven't nailed this at all yet. And uh, it's still something that we're kind of tinkering with our growth team every day. So it's really success by a thousand cuts. And we we're trying to make the product better for reporting 1% every day. Yeah. So for example, in the signup, 
we ask you for your skills and for your role and for the tools that you're interested in using. And then we use that for not only a customized onboarding experience, but also for our data analysis. And uh, so we kind of optimize what templates, do we show you any templates at all based on the information that you've given us and so on. For example, we just found out that users who onboard through templates have higher activation rates than users who don't onboard through templates, but they actually have lower retention rates, which is kind of counterintuitive. But it just means that as we went through it template by template, that a lot of users uh, found our templates too hard to use because they use integrations and so on. And now we took the decision that we won't show any templates with integrations to users who, well, who self-identify as basic or intermediate users. We only we only show templates with integrations to pros. Yeah. And so these are kind of the types of incremental improvements in the product so that you kind of become better and better one step at a time. Interesting. And so what's kind of next for you? So you got, basically, I, I mapped out the three main steps you took to identify the use cases. The first one was really just like probing, finding like, what are those use cases that are most important? Also, help you hit your goals as far as like getting more you users coming to the platform. So probing is first stage. Selection is like really eliminating some of those other options or deprioritizing them and doubling down on those one or two that are really promising. And then I put for the third stage is really just like what you did is reinforce. So like there's the team focus, like getting them focused on this part, the product side of the things for the focus, putting in the right metrics, measuring all of like those areas as well. What's the next stage as far as that goes for building the business? Yeah, so definitely it's around building the product or making the product even better for reporting. And the other part is improving virality in general. Yeah, so, uh, well, across use cases, but it's obviously also something that is very important for reporting. So the virality piece, we know that the retention of users who sign up through a viral loop rather than through something general or through something linear, like who just land on, on Rose.com or see us in the media or on through Product Hunt or so. So the viral users are three to four times more likely to retain or retention is three to four times higher for them. And that is obviously a huge difference. So And workspaces that uh, have well, more than five members have way higher retention than kind of single member workspaces. So it's obviously in our interest, not only from a pure acquisition standpoint, but from a retention standpoint to increase virality. And we know that, for example, our sharing user experience is, can still be improved by a lot. The most natural sharing experience that users currently use in the product is one that does not lead to a new product signup immediately. It's one that where you kind of share your spreadsheet as a web app, but then people are not prompted to sign up. So improving, fixing this user experience around sharing is a huge priority for us. But then there's kind of more in terms of collaboration that we want to add. So uh, collaboration is obviously much more than sharing. We want to enable people to comment, to tag others, to define actions or to-dos and the like. And then, well, improving the product for reporting is about enabling people to give more context, for example, to their data and to their charts 
kind of adding text elements to their reports when they're shared and these sorts of things. So those are really the things that are next. And our complete focus from a business standpoint is kind of supporting this, speaking to users, driving more usage around these types of use cases, improving the positioning on reporting our message on how we position rows at the moment. We are, for example, telling users rows is the spreadsheet with superpowers, but maybe we want to prioritize the reporting piece a bit there in this core message. So these are kind of the things that we're currently working on. Awesome. I love that part. And one of the things that I'm picking up here is you really are data-driven and like a lot of these decisions too, like just what you pointed out too, is that, you know, the viral users that come in, that they saw Rose through like a friend's colleague or someone shared it, they're four times more likely to do what exactly? What was it again? Well, to retain, right? So uh, to still be using the product after 12 weeks, for example. Yeah, no, that is huge. And so by just knowing that, like that gives you a huge advantage over like any other competitor or anyone else in the space, because it's like, wow, that of course it makes sense to focus there. So how do you really get... I guess, focus on those or finds those big key insights? Is it like you have someone who's the data genius on the team to kind of pull these reports or is it just looking for it and like eventually finding it? So how do you kind of source some of these big insights that can really help you double down on some of these big decisions? Yeah, one part is definitely data and how you build the data and and how you structure it. So uh, I think we're, for example, We're tracking, well, we're really trying to measure everything, kind of all the product events and so on. And then we want to also cluster them by different uh, filters. So, for example, we track retention by the signup channel, by the function that people indicated. So whether they're marketing or operations users, by their skill level, by the use case that we're... So we're classifying every spreadsheet as a use case through certain criteria, by the workspace size, so we kind of know... We can take a lot of different cuts at, for example, retention numbers or or engagement numbers. and But then it's also, I think, the daily dedication to of the team, well, for example, of our product manager in this growth team. Every day, we go through the users who signed up the previous day and looked at what they did. Yeah. And... Did they use an integration? Did they use charts? Did they share a spreadsheet? Did they experience some sort of error after they executed a function? Did they install a template? Did they do something with this template? Or did they just somehow, well, abandon the product after installing the template? And then who are these people? Are these people basic users, intermediate users? Are they pros? Are they marketing people? And so this is kind of very inductive, so very bottom-up. So you can look at the data top down, this is what we're doing. But at the same time, or in parallel, you can also really go bottom up and and try to find insights from kind of small data points that you're seeing. And then you get some cues like, ah, maybe, well, maybe we should change that in the product. Maybe we don't explain errors that happen because, well, some integration, well, didn't return any data because of some roles and permissions in Google Analytics or so, maybe we don't expose this correctly to our users and we need to do more to be more transparent and more insightful and more actionable about about error messages. And so, yeah, those are kind of things that we're doing here. Totally. 
I love that. And how do you, like who on that team, I guess, goes through like what people did every single day whenever they're looking at like who signed up yesterday and kind of going through our reports? That's our, uh, well, we have a product marketing manager who is also kind of the product manager of this growth team and our head of growth. Yeah, so they do that every day and well, learn some lessons, take decisions on what to do next. And then we have uh, kind of, well, a data engineer who kind of provides the data in general, more from the top down side. And then we have uh, have a designer and three engineers and they kind of do have their kind of quarterly roadmap to improve virality and activation, but they also have capacity to kind of do quick fixes. Yeah, some when we, or our head of growth and our product marketing manager take kind of these daily decisions. Some of them can be implemented completely on the business side, kind of, well, changing messages, adjustments in the content management system and so on, adjustments on the website. But some require actually uh, tweaks in the product UX, right? And our, well, the, the designer and the three engineers who work in that team also have some capacity to actually to some fixes that are more ad hoc, right, to to the user experience, especially with respect to onboarding and virality. Right. Okay. I love that. And are there any other kind of like, whether it's daily or weekly activities that um, your teams do to really build that user empathy and like understand like, okay, what challenges are they having? What's getting in their way of seeing success, whether that's in regards to acquiring them, getting them to sign up, activating, retaining them, any other things? Because I, I, I love this, like just having that product manager, product marketing manager, head of growth, like going through this, like every single day and seeing like, what are they actually doing? I think that's something a lot of companies need to start doing because it tells you a lot, like where are they getting stuck? Well, obviously they're also doing a ton of data analysis and also not only kind of looking at the top-down data and looking how it moves, but also kind of deep dives, right? Like going really through an analysis that is template by template and then looking at, well, how many installs did this template have? How many of those users are, are still active? How many errors did this template throw? And all of these things, I think looking at data also, again, top-down and bottom-up is something that they're doing every week. And then speaking to users, yeah, interviewing mm-hmm. users, both, well, current users and prospective users, documenting every user call, and then also kind of, well, synthesizing what we've learned from user calls so that others can actually learn from it, right? So because we have kind of the core product teams that are, are working on quarterly roadmaps, but every quarter we are going through kind of the planning session for for the next quarter. And then we kind of draw on all the insights that we generate while talking to users. And so everything is, is really documented there. Okay. And like what tools do you use to really understand your users better? I know there's some things like, okay, like doing user interviews that don't quite have a tool <laughs> per se. <laughs> uh, someone who's doing it. But uh, what does that look like at your company? Well, I mean, for the as a user interview tool, well, they actually don't have very much of a tool other than Rose yeah. itself and video conferencing. Then, well, we are actually considering, we're looking at Hotjar, for example, to have kind of more 
insights into how users are using certain features. Yeah? But that is more from a product standpoint. And then I think for documentation, we're using Notion. For data analysis, we're using Segment and BigQuery. We're using Intercom for onboarding uh, and for, for certain callouts and, uh, and, and, and feature news. So that is, well, customer.io for emails and, and CRM. That is kind of our growth tool stack. Awesome. And speaking of the, the growth team, how did you initially start it? Like who was on that team? And then how did you grow it? Well, our head of growth was our first product manager. Well, Umberto, my co-founder, started building the product. And then at some point, we hired a first product manager who was great. And he quickly developed an interest for growth. So uh, maybe still building the product, but also really other sorts, uh, well, other areas of marketing. And so we then built out the product function with other people and uh, turned him really into our head of growth because we liked that kind of someone who has a lot of understanding of the product can also take care of of the business and drive the business because we are a product-led company. And so we want to enable product-led growth. And a lot of the things that we need from our growth motion, so activation, growth through virality, well, obviously also retention and so on, uh, need to be driven by the product. And so we gave him this mission. So, well, take care of onboarding, take care of activation, and also take care of virality. And then we looked at, well, okay, what do we need? A data person and one engineer is something that we decided early on, but then we saw good results and also a fast pace in development and in shipping fixes to the product that I think paid off. And so we took the decision then to actually put a bit more engineering power behind this team. And now, well, now we're three engineers there. Amazing. Yeah, I find that more and more common too, where it's like, okay, there's a product manager and then they have the appetite for the growth side of things too in product-led companies. And it's so common, like you hear the emergence of like the growth product manager and you're like, I wonder why. But it, it makes complete sense when you look at it through this perspective. So thanks for, for sharing that. Well, and, and there are great resources, right? So uh, totally. your, your own platform. And also, for example, we also used Reforge, for example, as a resource for kind of, as a learning resource to get more and more kind of growth thinking, quantitative thinking, and so on, that is about actually more growth than pure product. And uh, yeah, I think that worked quite well. Totally. And so how do you organize your product or head of growth kind of team? Is it like OKRs? Like how do you measure the results? How do you structure that part to make sure that they're aligned on the right outcomes and focus on the right initiatives? Yeah. So, well, KPIs is a it's a huge topic and we've tinkered a lot with KPIs. So we're currently not looking at, at monetization, only at user growth. And the two core, well, the two North Star metrics that we're looking at is viral signups. And viral signups means anyone who is either invited to a spreadsheet or to a workspace or someone who signs up through the community so we have community of public spreadsheets, like a GitHub of spreadsheets, and some users duplicate spreadsheets there and sign up that way. Or users who actually looked at a privately shared spreadsheet as a web app. They're not workspace members that, but after using this Rose web app, they then 
come and sign up. So those are the three potential viral channels. And we're kind of looking at the absolute number of signups from these three channels. Uh, so this is one. And the other is what we call week three actives. And that means they're not just uh, weekly active users because we think that that number is a bit too much influenced by acquisition activities. So if you had a product hunt launch or if you had kind of, well, if TechCrunch reports about you, then you get kind of a very large influx of users. And so it throws the weekly active number up. So we decided to look at all the users who are still active three weeks after they signed up. Uh, so it's an absolute number and it kind of mixes or blends activity and retention. And that is what we well actually like. It's quite useful because after three weeks, you don't have this immediate acquisition effect that is kind of, well, changing the numbers a bit. But it's also kind of soon enough that you get the metric after you made changes. So you can, I think, wait three weeks for your metric, but you can't wait three months or so, because then you wouldn't know kind of where you're going in, in the meantime. Totally. I love those metrics, especially the, uh, the week three activation too. It's like, okay, yeah, let's see like who is coming back. Because if you just focus on like that for seven days, it's not necessarily a good indicator of, okay, this person is like highly engaged. This is the right channel. Let's double down. So yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Now, I just wanted to recap too, because I think we covered a lot of great points here. Like when it came to you really honing in on the use cases, especially if this applies to anyone here's listening for like horizontal applications, it's like you really do have to like pro find those use cases that are really compelling, which ones make the most sense for you to pursue. And then eventually build that business case, select uh, at least a couple of them and see, okay, let's pursue this further. Let's double down. In your case, it was a reporting. You start to see, okay, those bring in a lot more users. This is more viral. Let's double down here. And then you worked with the team to just reinforce it through really just making sure that, okay, we're doubling down here. We have you know some things in the product that this use case needs more of. So let's do that. Uh, let's set the metrics around it. And then you also aligned everyone focusing on the great KPIs, such as like, okay, let's push this further. Let's actually pursue viral signups, which is inherently one of those things you touched on with reporting that that brings more of it. So, okay, maybe there's other use cases that did that too. And then really tracking too, like what are the right sources and everything that brings these week three actives here. So was there anything else that, you know, I missed or you wanted to tell everyone who's listening to of like, hey, if I was to do this again, here's what I, I might do differently in this whole process of growing your business so far. Well, I think if you're looking back, you always think like, okay, there are certain things in the roadmap that I should have changed, right? We would have won or we could have halved the development time if I knew what I know now. And so I think that is kind of, I think... Our early focus, for example, on lead generation, that was clearly something where we built integrations that we shouldn't have built and so on. When we lost time, we would have invested in this this time more in integration for marketers, for example. Right? But I think, yeah, that is, I think, just part of building a product and, well, kind of the journey to product market fit. You can be kind of super systematic about how you use data and how you interview people and how you build product in a disciplined way. And you will still have to cut most likely a couple of times or, or tag a couple of times to find the right way. Obviously, if it happens sooner, that's amazing. I think, well, one thing building a company is just 
keeping the resilience and keeping the discipline until you actually, well, you actually find success until you hit gold, right? That is something, it's very easy to, well, either abandon the core mission and go down to a vertical route product that is easier to build, or it's very, very easy to give up. But uh, I think, yeah, resilience is something that is really, uh, well, getting rewarded in the end. I love it. And easier said than done. But I think one of the things that I really respect too, that I think everyone else should read in between the lines is, yeah, part of this journey too is also saying no. <laughs> saying no to different areas so you can prioritize like those initiatives that are going to have that, that double or triple the payoff kind of thing as far as your time, efforts, and everything else. And that's that's hard to do. I know um, LinkedIn, there's the story of Reed Hoffman. They're like trying to prioritize or build a roadmap. And they they kept looking at this one user group. They're like, whoa, like these people, uh, they're killing it on like activation. They're, they're the most like retained users we have. Uh, <laughs> and what these people were, there was this word they referenced themselves as, but they would just connect with everyone on the platform. They were like these master connectors. They wouldn't really build yes. relationships. And yeah, they're like, okay, we do not need to prioritize this group because these are not the average users that we actually want. So, uh, yep. it's, it's tricky because they're the noisiest sometimes. Now, where can people find out more about you? Well, on rose.com. So ros.com is our website. I think, well, that is where you can sign up for free and start using our free plan. And yeah, I think that's it. And if you are interested in trying out a modern spreadsheet for with a beautiful sharing solution and integrations, then try it out and give me feedback. I'm Torben, T-O-R-B-E-N at roast.com or uh, also on Twitter under Torp Schultz or, or you can also find me on RoseHQ on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Wes. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Product-Led Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a colleague or friends you know who might benefit. We are always looking at which episodes get the most listens so we know which content to create more of. So if you want more of this particular type of content or style of episode, please share it out. And in return, here's your selfish reason to do this. Uh, we will definitely create more content just like this episode. <laughs> and if that's not your style, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell us your favorite part about this podcast. I personally read every single one of these reviews and it gives me more ideas on what content we should do more of. Happy growing. <laughs>